So, you ready to start a podcast? Well, Spotify for Podcasters is the absolute perfect solution. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters. They make it super easy to record and edit right from your computer. And not only that, it lets you distribute your content everywhere and even earn cash. And the best part, it's absolutely free. You literally have no excuse. So I suggest you go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters and start creating today. Because whatever I do, being with a woman, doing it, Make it a whole bunch better. That's a fact. <laughs> that's a fact. Okay. Now, the other side of that story I was telling you is that there are times that I'm right. And I know I'm right. My wife knows I'm right. I know that she knows that I'm right. She knows that I know that she knows that I'm right. So what do I say? Baby, you're right. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. <laughs> Welcome to Hardly Initiated, where real men talk real shit. It is your host, Tyshawn Jackson, here with another episode. My co-host, Ryan Ketchins. Let's get it, man. I'm going to be honest. I might just let you ask all the questions, because I think I only want to listen and take notes on this one. Honestly, man, let me tell you something. I'm, I, I honestly feel the same way. And this is truly and truly a blessing for myself and for everybody that's about to get to tune in to this legendary piece of content and work that we are about to produce today. Because we have what I would probably like to call one of the greatest black minds alive today. I'm talking about one of my favorite scholars and somebody probably responsible for educating the minds of my generation and even generations prior to me uh, in, a, in a revolutionary manner. And many in the future. And many in the future. And if, the, if this is your first time that you are being introduced to this brother here, expect to go about digging into a lot of his work after this episode because you're about to be blown away. We are sitting here with the legendary Dr. Kaba. Welcome to Harlem this year. Oh, my brother, thank you so much for that uh, uh, introduction. Thank you for inviting me to this program. Uh, you, know, at, you know, as you know, I'm from New York. We're here in Atlanta. I've been looking forward to this conversation. And I've been interested and very much looking forward to talking to your audience uh, because who I know your audience uh, is, is comprised of. Solid, yeah. solid thinking, powerful people looking for a future and for a change, at least or transformation. So mm. I'm happy to be here, man. So thank you for the invitation. Thank you for your hospitality. Absolutely. Man, listen, y'all about to get transformed because I'm going <laughs> to just go ahead and pop it right off. Because one of the most interesting things is you came in here into the studio today and you were speaking to your wife. <laughs> you know, it's this funny, it's this funny um, kind of stereotype that they have for, the, you know, they call them the Hotep brothers. Mm-hmm where these are brothers who just believe in polygamy, you know, just having these multiple wives and just kind of moving in this random uh, fashion where they don't actually believe or respect the concept of marriage. Mm -hmm. But you've been married now for, I think it's been 46 years. 42. 42 years, which is absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. And I want to understand that. So, Walk me through that. You've been married now for 42 years. 
what is your concept or give me your understanding of what it is to be married? Absolutely. If I may, prior to answering that question, I want to go back to the word hotep. Okay. Let's please. I'd like folk to understand what hotep means. Okay. And what a hotep brother. I am a hotep brother. I'm proud to be a hotep brother. Back in the day in the 70s, when there was a golden age in New York, it happened in other places. It was in Chicago. Uh, it was in Atlanta. It was in Los Angeles. A lot of the major cities that were privy to information about our culture, it was growing. But Dr. Ben, Dr. Ben Yakanen, Yosef Ben Yakanen, began to bring us to Kemet, to Egypt, in the late 70s. My first trip with him was in 1983. It was a consolidation of forces from around the country. You had Los Angeles, you had Chicago, and you had New York that were the spearheading these types of trips that would raise money. The trip I went to in 1983 was the largest trip of African people going to Kemet at one time. Because most black folk went to Egypt on this Holy Land thing, where Egypt just happened to be someplace they went. They really were going to Israel. That was their Holy Land. Dr. Ben took us to Egypt, our Holy Land. And there was a sister by the name of Sister Dr. Raketi Wimby, and there were other scholars that did the same thing. But they introduced us on our own level of meduneter, or what is called hieroglyphics. And we began to study it, and we began to understand it from a different perspective. We started using words that meant something. Hotep was one of them. It means peace. Mm. Just like if you're a Muslim, assalamu alaikum. I come in peace. Wa alaikum assalam. I return that peace. Okay? Uh, in, in Hebrew, shalom alaikum. I come in peace. Well, in Kemet, amongst the Kushites, they would say, Yemhotep, which means I come in peace. And when you're leaving each other, you say Shememhotep, which means I leave you in peace. Hotep became a sacred word to us because only certain people knew what that meant. Mm. I could be in a room, 12 people. I come in, I'm, I'm, I'm going to test the room. I'm going to say, Hotep, everybody. You'd be looking at me, what the, <laughs> the hell at me? <laughs> <laughs> but then I might be in a room and somebody say, Hotep to you, brother. We automatically connect. Because mm. I know you know now. I say Hotep to you, you say Hotep to me. Only special people know what that word means. Mm. That word was glue for us back in the 70s and 80s. It, it brought us together. It was a special word used by special people who were searching for truth, justice, honor, and integrity. That hotep, I'm proud to be hotep. That's a very special word. I can't tell what other people did with that word. I can't be responsible for people who will co-opt that word and make it something that is not. I can only tell you what hotep means to me. And hotep is a sacred word that means not just peace, but eternal peace. From your head top to where your shoes stop. <laughs> I wish you eternal peace. I wish you nothing but the very best in your life and everyone that's in your life. 
I wish you the very best. So hotep is a special word. I cannot be responsible for people who have dirtied it. I can only tell you the, what it means to me. I will always use that word. But if someone has a problem with that word, I will not use that word with you. You say you don't want to use it, you don't deserve it. I will not give it to you. I will not take my sacred legacy and allow you to misinterpret it. So that's when, when you say hotep brother, I, I, I just wanted to clear that to help us understand what that word really means to us as a people and where it came from. It came from us going to Kemet. It came to us meeting our Nubian brothers and sisters. It, in, in fact, there came a time when, when we would go, they would say to us, Hotep. We taught them the word Hotep. Mm. That's how deep it got. Hotep brother, Hotep Nubian brother, Hotep Nubian sister. That's what that word Hotep means. It brought us together. It bonded us in, in a world that was very hostile to us. Mm. And if you listen to Kevin Hart, they're still hostile. Because they're having problems with Kevin Hart understanding his culture and history, supporting Black Sands Entertainment. I, I've been getting Black Sands comic books from when they first started. Mm. Okay? Kevin Hart backed them, and Kevin Hart wanted his children to know the truth. And so, you know, they, they have always tried to usurp our thing. The current people in Egypt are not the original people that built the pyramids. Didn't look nothing like them. So that's the word hotep. But now to get to your question, in terms of my wife, married May 1st, 1981, okay? People say, brother, how did you know she was the one that you wanted to marry? And here's, here's, here's what I tell them. I married the woman I would have been if I had been born a woman. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very difficult concept for most men to probably... Well, that's yeah. because most men don't understand that they are both man and woman. And if you don't, then you ain't got a mama. Each and every one of us is a perfect creation by a man and a woman. I'm half my mother and half my father. Yo, listen, podcasting changed our life and it could change yours too. You don't have to have a bunch of money. You don't got to spend thousands of dollars in equipment or thousands of dollars on guests. All you need to do is have that burning desire, a strategy, and a game plan. And listen, that's what we're going to bring to you. This Sunday, we having a free workshop for any podcaster that wants to grow, monetize, and scale their platform. You need to make sure you're at our workshop. We put the link for you in the bio. So click it, make sure you're there, it's at 8 p.m., we're going in. See you on Sunday. And, but when you're dealing with the, it's interesting, when you're dealing with Western civilization, it's very difficult for a man to, for a man who's been put down by just about every facet of the society to be able to embrace his manhood. I'm thoroughly man. I got my daddy's Y chromosome. I got my mommy's ex, but I got my daddy's Y. I'm, I, I am a man. Born a man, love, loved being a man, and I have been attracted to, turned on by women all of my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just, but I can also identify with my feminine aspect. I can also understand my feminine side. We all got it. We just deny it. That's why we're so screwed up 
because we don't understand it. And women are half man and half woman. They got their daddy's X chromosome and their mommy's X chromosome. There is a male energy in a woman. But being born by gender, there is a difference between the man and the woman, and they are perfect complements to each other. And under the right circumstances, everything goes well. I would not be the man I am today if it wasn't for my wife. It's just simple like that. And, and I understand the role that she plays in my life. I've accepted the role that she plays in my life. And there, there are times that my wife, you know, is right. Okay? She's just right. I know she right. She knows she right. She knows that I know she's right. I know that she knows that I know she's right. So when something go down, I said, baby, you're right. Truth. What, what would you communicate to the man that says, he may make a statement that says, um, wherever I want to go, I can get to with or without my woman. That only tells me that you have never been entranced by a woman. Because wherever I go, I want a woman to be with me. Because whatever I do, being with a woman, doing it, make it a whole bunch better. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> That's a fact. Okay. Now, the other side of that story I was telling you is that there are times that I'm right. And I know I'm right. My wife know I'm right. I know that she knows that I'm right. She knows that I know that she knows that I'm right. So what do I say? Baby, you're right. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's happy, happy spouse, happy house. Got it. So it's dual. I say that only in joking because, you know, you, you, you have your situations. People build nations. Families build dynasties. Nations rise and fall. But dynasties last forever. You got to create a dynasty. That's why you see my son with me. I bring my daughters with me when I can. I bring my wife with me when I can. We were in Los Angeles for the opening of the museum. Whole family was there with me. This trip is very, is more structured towards business. And so this would not necessarily be a place for it because I got to move from place to place to do things here and there, and it would not necessarily be enjoyable for them. But whenever I have a chance to bring my wife, she's with me. But um, here's what I want to know, too, because I, I keep hearing that the concept of marriage was born through religion. Like, Christ, like Christianity, I'm not sure if it was Christianity, but some religion birthed the concept of marriage, right? And with you not necessarily being of any one religion, how is it and why is it that you chose to be married? It ain't got nothing to do with religion. Mm. It got to do with my needs. <laughs> <laughs> There's natural needs I have as a man. And that, that came out of nature. Wasn't the early people, the Twy and Booty, getting married? They just understood, I like her. Mm. I want to be with her. She said, mm, he's kind of fine. I want to be with him. And they came together. And they created dynasties that we are now the ascendants to. Because I don't believe in descent. I don't descend. I ascend. And so... 
Okay, so you have the idea of religion coming, like, say, Christianity. But now I got a whole different problem with that. Very serious problem with that. And when I ask questions, people can't answer it. Because Jesus Christ was said to have instituted the seven sacraments. Baptism, confirmation. Marriage was one of them. Well, wait, the seven sacraments, what exactly is that? In, 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 in Roman Catholicism, it is believed that Jesus Christ, one of his, his things was to, to uh, establish these sacraments, these, these uh, births, um, these rites of passage. Mm. Okay. Baptism is one. Then, then you get confirmed. That's another. For, for those who are Roman Catholic, you know, I'm not sure if Christianity practices or if some of the other faith systems of Christianity practice it. Uh, extreme unction is, is when you're going to die, the priest comes and visits you and he anoints you with water and that's your movement into the next world. Of course, that came from mummification and the Kemites, but we're going to leave that aside for a moment. Mm. But one of the institutions that he did create, sacraments, was the idea of marriage. But now I have a problem. Jesus must be an illegitimate child because what about his parents? If he instituted and, and marriage started with him, his parents weren't married when he was conceived. Not to mention, Joseph ain't his father. Mm. God is. Now, can you, can you imagine your wife coming to you? Now, you know that you ain't <laughs> had no relationship with your wife. She say, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and you say, well, who the father? God. Right. <laughs> Come on, family. <laughs> Don't fall for the okie doke. My feelings, family, is that I have such a regard for spirituality, it's a shame we waste our time in religions. Mm. When all religions are spiritual. See, my thing is, I haven't thrown away any religions. When people say to me, man, you sound like you're into religion. What, what religion do you practice? I say, well, what religion do you think? They say Christian. Yeah, I'm Christian. They say, well, you sound, you know, a little bit of... Muslim, I hear you say assalamu alaikum. I'm Muslim too. <laughs> and and shalom too. I'm Hebrew. I'm Buddhist. I'm Confucius. And when I round it all out, the reason why is because I'm an African. And as an African, I'm all religions. Because my book will show you where your scripture came from. Mm. From A to Z. From agnostic to Zoroastrian. Every religion, Rosicrucian, all of them came out of Africa, off the walls. And when Africans took their show on the road, then they picked this story up. But the minds that picked it up could not understand the depth of this story. And so like with all rich meals that someone eats, if you don't have the intellectual and spiritual enzymes to break it down, you're going to regurgitate it. And so to me, many religions... Mm. Damn. So wow. they tried to, they attempted to digest this wow. original work. This deep, and, and it this was, deep story. Right, okay. And it was so deep, you know, like when you eat rich food that you don't have the enzymes to break down, you regurgitate mm. it. Reverse peristalsis. Mm. <laughs> you vomited back up. And that's what's on our table. So marriage has always been a concept that's been introduced or that's been normal to us even in, uh, throughout our African um, ancestry. In a sense, because 
when marriage was created, so was divorce. And men and women cannot divorce. Mm. That doesn't exist. Every time you ejaculate in your wife, your sperm stays in her body for the rest of her life. And that concept is so spiritual to me. I, I used to always tell, you know, when I was teaching children and um, I, I taught middle school, I've taught every grade, I've taught every subject, but one, one, one of my years, years of teaching is in middle school, sixth through eighth grade. These are the years that they they be doing stuff, okay? Mm. And you know, and I was on the fourth floor. I had a resource center on the fourth floor, and all the students knew to stay off exit ten because I never took the elevator. I always walked up and down. That was part of my daily exercise. Mm. And, and 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 one time I uh, was. By the way, though uh, your show, you can say what you want to say. Whatever, however you want to say. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. We should have gave you that disclaimer. Yeah, I didn't even speech. Yeah, well, I'm looking at this thing here that says what? Don't. Don't fuck the table. Okay, so I figured, but I just want to ask. Yeah. All the students knew: do not do anything on exit ten, because Brother Kaba is going to be on that exit sometime during the day. So some students. Heated it and some didn't. So I, I come down and I see this young boy with his penis in a girl's mouth. Mm. And and you know, when when they saw me, then they realized, oh shit, I remember that he said, Don't come back on this. I'm, right. I'm on exit 10. I thought I was on five. No, you're on 10. And I would say, Can I ask you a question? See, because they be trying to fix them. I said, wait, 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 wait. I just want to ask you a question. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you can do what you got to do because I don't want no show, but I want to ask you a question, young lady. If he let his penis go in your mouth, how many other girls had his penis in his mouth today? So when you sucking him, you kissing her. And brother, she got your penis in his, her mouth. How many other penises she had in her mouth? Today, do you know? Can, can you tell me? And they're flustered. I say, I, I just want to ask you these questions because I ain't going to report you because reporting would do nothing. Right. They, they would just suspend you or whatever, embarrass you, and our relationship would never be the same again. I say, but I'm coming to you from my heart. I'm coming to you like I was your father. And I'm asking you a very simple question. Every temple that opens its doors to you, brother, you don't want to go in. And everyone that knocks on your temple system, you don't want to open the door and let them in. You got to be careful what you do. You don't know where his penis has been, and you don't know where her mouth has been. Are you willing to take that chance? This is how I talk to the children. I never told the adults I did it this way. I never reported them. And by the way, I have never given a child attention. Mm. And I have never called a child's parents. Ever in my career. Because I would tell the young people, I say, look, I said, if, if you do the wrong thing and I call your mother or father or grandmother and out of your fear of them, you do what I say, I'm training you to go to prison. Because now you're acting through punishment. You got to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. You, you can't do it because you're afraid of what I'm going to do, send you to detention, 
something like that. You got to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. It's not easy to do it this way because in the long run, you might decide to do it again and do whatever you're going to do. But I'm not going to send you to detention because I want to create the type of relationship with you that when I look at you, you know you're not doing the, the right thing. You're not being appropriate. And I want you to be able to put yourself in check simply because of the respect that I have for you and the respect that you should have for me, period. And that's how I always felt about people. It works sometimes. It doesn't work other times because people sometimes perceive weakness. You know, they think that kindness is weakness. Mm -hmm. There's nothing weak about me. I just know how things operate because I taught at Rikers Island. So I know what happens in Rikers Island. And I used to get those roughnecks in my class. All they want to do is hear stories about Rikers Island. When I would go and teach a class, because I taught high school in, in Rikers Island. Um, but I taught in the Board of Ed all the time, but I would visit Rikers Island. They have a high school in Rikers Island. I didn't know that. Yeah, they have a high school. I, I used to do staff development with the staff of the Rikers Island High School. Mm. And, uh, you know, like the roughnecks always wanted to hear the stories about Rikers Island. And I, you know, I would tell them the time that I go into, uh, you know, Rikers Island, you know, and what I'd have to do, you know, you have to, you know, you have to give them ID. Uh, you have to go down to a, a, a body check uh, that you're not bringing anything in. And there are things that you might bring in that you don't even realize. Okay. Like cigarettes, particularly filtered cigarettes. Because mm. what the brothers and sisters have learned to do is that they can take fire and, and take the filter, the plastic filter out and they can fashion one of the sharpest razors with the plastic and then they attach it to the eraser of a pencil wow they show and then what they'll do is that they took me into a room and in this waiting room prior to going into the actual um place itself the uh prisons they had a room that showed all of the different ways that intuitive, brilliant people can make weapons out of things that you least... That's how I know about the, 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 the cigarettes. Yeah. Okay? And then next to it, they would show the result of that. <laughs> and with this razor from the plastic of the, of, of the cigarette filter, they showed how a guy... They took this one guy and they, they started at the top of his head and they spun him around... And throughout his whole body, he had nothing but a spiral of cuts, deep cuts. Wow. And then they showed the picture of him when they had to sew him up. Mm. That's how deep it is. Young people want to hear them stories. So, so, I, so, so I would tell them stories. And then that would bring them into my circle. Mm. You know? And then, then I'd be able, and then everybody used to send the rough next to me. And they wondered how, you know, how I would manage them and, I didn't manage them. I just respected them. Because some of the most brilliant minds I've ever met are in special ed or in prison. Mm. I've gone around. I taught at Atwater Penitentiary right outside Fresno. Nobody getting out of there. In that penitentiary, very few people ever get out. So I'm talking to people that are lifelong. I've taught at um, Harlem Valley Secure Center upstate New York where the youthful offenders, where you're too young to go to Rikers. Or, so they got them young people up in eight, nine years old. And I'm sitting there talking. They're telling wow. me what they do. I, I say, damn, you smart. Wow, you're smart. You took your genius, but you took it in the wrong road. 
but you a genius. So getting back to my wife. <laughs> that's that's what it is. And I as as I watch how we're getting along, I come to realize, you know, with with much respect to us as a people, our sisters deserve respect. As important, our sisters need to respect themselves. Brothers need to respect themselves. And understand the greatest threat that you could ever give to somebody is to love your woman. And the same for the woman to the man. Because you're indefeatable. When, when two people can become one, because it, it takes a while, you know. Marriage is not easy. But it's a wonderful experience if you do it right. And I just think that with the, with the example we have of Indo-Europeans, they have no regard or respect for their women. And the way in which they raised us. Whoever taught black men to be fathers? I think we're doing a good job considering. An excellent job considering what we've been through. We were never meant to be men. We were never meant to be fathers because if we were fathers on the plantation, it meant that our children would listen to us before they listened to the person upstairs. Great point. We, we, and the moment we had any type of control on the plantation, they sold us or killed us because they had no room for anybody with power. Black people on plantation. So now here we are, 1865, so to speak, and they emancipate us, and now we're supposed to be fathers. Well, who taught us how to be fathers? From cradle to the grave, we... But we're never fathers. We had no example of what a father was. The best that we had was Fiddler. Kunta Kinte had Fiddler. That was the best he had for a father. Now we're just coming up out of our what Bob Marley calls our sleepless slumber. And now we're coming to realize what a father really is. I, I, I used to do a program with freshman high school students. And it was called, Are You a Man or Just a Male? Mm. And it was like, 17 sessions long. And basically what we were attempting to do more than anything else in, in our thing is to identify different areas that young people, freshmen in high school, feel, ninth graders, 12, 13, 14, feel are important to talk. So they want to talk about sex, grades, school, drugs, gangs, street organizations. And we would have sessions on that. And the question would be, are you a man? or just a male. And that was our attempt at working with our young brothers and sisters, brothers in particular, not sisters, but brothers for sisters, where young men could get a sense of the difference between being a man and a male. Any male can impregnate a woman, but only a man can be a father. And having been a father of three for 39 years, at least that I have with my wife, uh, it has been qu quite an experience. Because not only was I an example of my daughter's view of what their counterpart should be, but I was also an example for my son how to treat his women. Who was like that in our lives? So we're, so we're trying to catch up on no excuses. Nature don't know no excuses, mm -hmm. but there are reasons. 
In understanding the reasons, we then can move towards solving the challenge that we have and just understand what a man is. A man realizes that responsibility is two words, not one. It's the response to your abilities. It's not responsibility. It's your response to your abilities. And I think little by little, step by step, we're coming up out of this sleepless slumber. What, uh, I guess you're saying that even in the midst of, it's, it seems like to be a, a gender war right now, where there's been a lot of um, graying of the just gender in general. So it seems to be less scientific, you know, man and woman, and now it's very political. So just in general, like what, what are your thoughts about, about that? About what? About um, more so gender. Is, is gender, do we have to have gender? Is gender necessary for us to have healthy relationships? Uh, what, what, what part would gender play in that relationship? And then I can answer your question. Well, I guess that's my, I mean, that's also a part of the question as well. You know, what are, what are gender roles and what is a man's role in, in a relationship? Well, when you look at, well, if you go back into the, the science of the Asarian drama, okay. And as I told you, I'm half man and half woman. When I take care of my children, that's not the father in me. That's the mother in me. If a mother protects their child from harm, that's not the mother in her. That's the father in her because security is a male energy. I'm talking energy now, not gender. This, okay. this got nothing to do with gender. See, the European, Indo-European male, our sister, Dr. Marimba Ani, wrote a book titled Yurugu, The Incomplete One. The one that's always searching for that other aspect of himself, sometimes herself, but mainly himself. And they live a life and never find that other partner, that, that other essence of who they are, that incomplete one. They never understand it. They never know it. And so therefore they live a life of tragedy after tragedy because of that. There's a difference between gender and energy. Gender is a physical concept. Energy is a spiritual concept. It is what drives you. It's what motivates you. It, it, it's what makes you do what you do. It makes you respond to what you respond to the way you respond to it. And so in my life, there have been times that I've been the wife. And my wife has been the husband. Not gender. Energy. Might, for some folk, might be a little difficult to understand what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> because we're so caught up in the Indo-European vomit. But I tell us, don't get rid of the vomit. Don't smell it. Don't eat it. Examine it. Because in that vomit was the original meal that our ancestors fed them. Mm. We have the spiritual and intellectual enzymes to break that meal down. There is a symbol of the nun. The nun is the symbol of the original universe. I talk about this in Shabaka Stone. I talk about it also in my book, Spirituality Before Religions. But I speak about the nun. The nun is basically the waters, the waters of nun. That essence from whence everything has come. Everything evolved out of the universe. Everything came out of the nun. Nun is depicted as a man with a lactating breast and is pregnant. Think of the metaphor. What is that saying? 
that the origins of all things are both male and female at the same time. But aren't you? Aren't you? Me? Am I not both my mother and father in the same body? When you stop and think about it, isn't every woman half daddy, half mommy? We are the universe. We are the existing universe that replicates itself every day. Indo-Europeans don't understand this. Quite frankly, they may never, but more frankly, I don't give a damn if they do because it's up to us. We spend so much time talking about them and not enough time talking about us. Once we get the information, what are we going to do? We're waiting for somebody to give us something. Okay, yeah, they owe us a check. And I plan on getting it. But my progress isn't going to wait for it. It's up to us to do what we got to do. So what's the, what's the best balance of that energy? Because obviously if there's two energies, there needs to be some level of balance. Yeah. And then if there's the man and the woman, there is some expectation of who is to bring what energy and probably who most dominantly brings this energy. So when does that energy become unhealthy for me to now bring or to, uh, I, I guess, to? The, I, I'm trying to craft my question. As far as the balance of the male, uh, the male and the feminine energy that's inside of us, mm -hmm. how should we balance that where it's not destructive and we start going into what you describe as the Indo-European teachings of what it is. And how should that look in a healthy manner between a man and a woman? Ma'at. Truth, justice, harmony, balance, order and arrangement, morality, and my favorite, reciprocity. If we all really respected reciprocity, now all of the, all of the laws of Ma'at have their place. But reciprocity is the one that most attracts me. Reciprocity says you shall reap what you've sown. What go around, it gonna come around. Do you think they would act the way they act if they really thought that what they did was gonna come back at them? Mm. You enslave us. You mistreat us. You treat us the way you treat us. Don't you know what's coming your way? Thomas Jefferson once said, I tremble to think that the just God one day will pay our descendants for what we've done. Thomas Jefferson said that. What you see happening out here now, this is reciprocity for them. This is their last days in time. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad was correct. The fall of America. Read the book, The Fall of America. Just read that book. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad dropped some serious knowledge there. Their time is up. They've done just about enough damage to the human family, to the animal kingdom, to the earth itself. Mm. Their time is up. There's only so long you can do this before karma comes on you. And this is where we are. So ma'at is the balance. You know, once you get to a certain level of knowledge and wisdom and spiritual understanding, you can tell when it's time. It's called intuitive instinct. You know when it's time for you to do. 
That's what I meant when I said I married the woman I would have been if I had been born a woman. Because now I know when it's time for her to act like me and when it's time for me to act like her and to be able to balance and to be able to move back and forth in the flow of the waters so that we don't get in each other's way. There are times when my wife takes the cue and does what she has to do. There are times that I take the cue and do what I have to do. There are times that I do, I am more mother than my wife is, and there are times that my wife is more father than I am. It's a flow of energy, you know? It's organic, you know? You just know it. But you got to go into it, not just the relationship between my wife and I, but my, my relationship with y'all, you know, to, to know that flow, to be able to feel people. And, and as African people, we feel. That's what young people say. Yo, I feel you. That's mm. what they mean. I feel you. It, it goes beyond just something that has, someone has to tell you. You just come up on somebody. When, when, when I, um, in my neighborhood where I live, it's predominantly of African descent. And when I drive up, like, like, I, like, like I live like in a, a circle. My building's in the middle and then there's two buildings on either side. So like when I'm going uh, to pick my wife up or if I'm going to pick something up or whatever it is that I'm coming into my area where I live, the brothers are, are on hanging out, doing their thing. All eyes are on my car. The brothers are checking, who's in the neighborhood? This is what we've learned to do since the days of the plantation. Who's in the neighborhood? And then when they see it's me, they just go back doing what they're going to do. But I've also seen and, and watched them when I'm walking that they keep their eye on that car because <laughs> I don't know you. I'm going to keep my eye on you. It's, it's just something that we do. We got that flavor. We are the original people. We should. We were the ones that had to sense that the lion was in town. and We had to make sure the lion didn't get to our, our families. We were the original people long before we were fighting other people. We were fighting nature to make sure that the predators didn't get us. So it is, it's only natural that we would have this talent, which we do. So is it wrong to say, like, the man is the, like, protector, the provider, what we typically hear about what a man should be? Are we saying, that, is, that, is that what you're saying is incorrect teaching? I, I would say... See, 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 here's how I like to say this. It's not as accurate as it could be. Because mm. mm. I try to stay away from right and wrong, correct and incorrect, because all things are perspective. I would rather deal with energy. Yeah, the man should be a protector, but so, so should the woman. Because if that man is not in the house and the woman is doing the best she can, are we saying that the house is not protected? which a lot of times a woman would do that. The same thing with a man who's raising his children where there is no wife there for whatever reason, no woman there for whatever reason. Are we saying that that's a motherless home? So it's the energy that we have, and we do the best that we can with what we got. I think we're doing a phenomenal job considering what we've been through. <laughs> you, know, you know, Malcolm asked us, Malcolm X asked us, who taught you to hate your skin color? Who taught you to hate the texture of your hair? Who taught you to hate the shape of your nose or the size of your lips? You didn't learn that in Africa. They didn't teach you that in Africa. I had a little girl tell me, oh, Brother Kaba, my nose is too big. And I said, well, honey, can you breathe? <laughs> she said, yeah. I said, well, your nose is just the right size. Uh -huh. 
Who taught her that her nose is too big? We've been taught to hate ourselves. We've been taught to believe that we're inadequate. And we as men, with the European being as, as ruthless and as barbaric as he is, we use him as an example. But what we don't know is that the more violent you are, the more fearful you are. If you are big and bad and you're ready to shoot somebody or beat somebody down, that's because you're afraid of that person. Because if that person wasn't a threat to you, what difference did it make? If you you wouldn't be worried. No. So we have to understand they don't hate us. They fear us. Mm. Hate is the reaction to the deepest trauma, which is they fear us. And it goes back to Dr. Francis Cress Welsing. Genetic annihilation. Their time is up. And they spent just enough time terrorizing the planet. Now it's time to go. And so I think that we have got to get to a point where we, I'm speaking about as a man, that we have the ultimate respect for the woman. Ultimate respect for the woman. And demand that she respect us. How do you showcase respect for a woman? By being honest, truthful. A sister may be very upset with your truth, but she'll respect you because you're truth. When you lie, you can never be trusted. That's very dangerous because you can never undo an untruth. And then everything you say is suspect after. And the same is true for her. What I believe is open dialogue with each other. Just talk. Hold no grudges. You know, one of the things that I think is one of the most sensual things between a man and a woman is to be able to make them laugh. Humor is very important in a relationship. When you can't laugh at each other, can't, when I say laugh at each other, make each other laugh, be funny. Humor is an emotion that makes the person that's going to laugh submit to you. It's an emotion. And when you laugh at somebody, the harder you laugh, the more you're submitting the essence of yourself to that person. Mm. That's why women have a very hard time being comedians. Because most men do not want to submit to a woman. So that's why women, when they are comedians, they have to make fun of themselves. Mm. They, they have to be clowns to put themselves in a subservient position so that the man can laugh. Because when you get a comedian like Monique, I like Monique. Hmm. She's serious. She says stuff that's very funny. But, what, but, but her humor is not ridiculing herself. She's ridiculing life. And, and I've always been able to uh, submit. My wife made me laugh all the time. She says, no, you, you, you never laugh at what I say. <laughs> no, I laugh, but, you know, it, it's, 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 it's a certain type of human. She gets a kick out of when I do laugh at her because I don't always laugh, but I laugh. And when I laugh at her, she no- laugh with her, she knows that I'm genuine. Because if I just laughed at everything, I wouldn't be genuine with you. Right. You, you, you have to kick my, my, my funny bone for me to laugh, you know? And I make her laugh. 
Humor is very sensual. It's something that we always should be able to make our partner do. And and you know, you know, you know, I'm talking about that 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 slapping the the knee kind of laugh and just cat catcoin, you know? That's some women always say too. They love a man that can make them laugh. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It. Yeah. I I man, I testify to that. Um <laughs> because it means that your your relationship is open and that she is willing to submit to you. She she's willing to give her heart to whatever it is that you're doing. And and that's very important in, in relationships. Mm. Be be able to and not be stupid funny. Yeah. <laughs> Although you could be stupid funny, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being humorous where you can take things in life and make it so sensible that it becomes humorous. Mm. Yeah. And that, oh, I know it. And most of the time, when you make someone laugh, they can understand what you're saying. And I use humor in my presentations many times. We've had a couple of laughs here tonight. Right, right. <laughs> and a lot of times, many times, the bigger the pill I got to make the community swallow, the funnier I try to be. Because that story that I told about when I'm right and my wife know I'm right. And mm -hmm. I, I, I tell that story in, in order to get the audience in a mood to be able to understand something about male and female relationships. And male-male relationships. And female-female relationships. And all the matters of degree. Because we got some serious conversations to have, but we're just not ready to have them right now. Like what? LGBTQ. Okay, uh, intercultural relationships because there's no such thing as an interracial. No, no, no. I really want to ask about that because both we, of those. we got a, <laughs> we got a lot of brothers right now that are having a hard time seeing themselves having a successful relationship with, in particular, a black woman. Mm. And I would even even be more specific to say an American black woman mm -hmm. because of the trauma she's experienced and what it all comes with. Now. You got brothers now, it's a whole thing, passport bros. They going across, mm -hmm. they going over to the to the Spanish women. And finding love you know, and companionship and they, some they, marriage. And they finding this companionship over across seas. And a lot of men are even adv advising against being with a black woman. What is your message to a brother that's uh, in that space? I believe that a brother who specifically desires a woman outside of the reflection of who he is, is suffering from self-hate. Mm. There's nothing wrong with a relationship. You know, I, you know, I have never had a romantic relationship with a woman that was not of African descent in my life. Wow. Ever. Ever. Never. Never. Uh, my mother brought me up, she said to me, she said, Skip, that's my nickname. There's a lot of candy in the store. Some of that ain't good for you. She said, there's nothing wrong with you dating a woman outside of our culture. But there's going to be some knucklehead relative of hers that's going to call you out your name. She told me that the European is not mature enough to accept your relationship with his daughter or niece or whoever. She said, I didn't raise you to be the man you're going to become for you to have to deal with that bullshit. It wasn't that there has not been connections with women of 
other cultures. When I say connections, there's attractions. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with her color. It, it has to do with the personality. It has to do with her humor. Right. It, it, it has to do with who she is. You just never took it there. Because there's some candy ain't good for you. It's just discipline. But also, I saw so much beauty in relating to a woman that I had a common experience with. And so, I have never had a relationship. But I'm a human being. There are women that are just beautiful, wonderful, good-hearted people of all different cultures. I just didn't go that way. I always stayed with my own sisters. All my life. I've had a chance to, great chance to, have wonderful relationships with women throughout the diaspora. From Portuguese to Hispanic to to African American, uh, which would be from the continent. Wonderful relationships. But I just never dealt with a woman of European descent or Asian descent. Mm. So you, okay, I get it. So you're saying if you've ever, you've probably dated women that like, have of the diaspora outside yes. of America, yes. but they've yes. always been melanated women. Absolutely, yes. That's what I'm saying. Got always, it. always. I married a woman from Jamaica. Mm. Got it. Okay. So you ain't rocking with the American black woman either then. Oh, I, <laughs> no, 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 because most of, you, you, you know, no, he, no, here's another story. The great majority of women I ever dated in my life were foundational black American women. Do you, but do you notice a difference? Is there really a difference? Is there some truth in what these brothers are saying? No. It's a human thing. It's a human thing. I have met women of all different backgrounds that had the same attitude. Okay. This is just what we put on it because we're looking for an excuse not to deal with because we're dealing with our own insecurities, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Foundational black American women were phenomenal. But to deal with a man like me, with my work, you have to be a very special person. You know, it's like if, if you wanted to be a doctor. Right. It takes a very special spouse, counterpart, girlfriend to be able to deal with you. For, for me to have to travel and do the work that I do for the threats and for the other things, you have to be a very special type of person. I was blessed to find a sister that could deal with me because I had a lot of sisters, a foundational black American background that said, you know, I like you. I really like you but I ain't into that African shit. (laughs) No, no, I've had them tell me that. So we could not come together. Wonderful relationship, but it's your your priorities in your life. Wasn't nothing wrong with her. They were wonderful people. But they just were not susceptible in her interests or her wants. Wonderful human beings that some married, Wonderful men had great relationships. It just wasn't me. Mm. I was dedicated. You, you, you know, to deal with someone like myself, with the work that I've done, knowing who I am, I never had a woman outside the relationship. But my other lover was my work. And a woman has to be able to accept that. I always made my family first. I was 51% family, 49% uh, work. My family always came first. That's why I only been to Africa twice. Because mm. my money always went into family. I always brought my children with me where I went. They were always part of my 
what what I did. I brought my wife with me when I could. We were always part of this. Everybody knows that my family come with me. But there were sisters of of a foundational black American background that that was not their interest. And I understood that. I respected them and they respected me. It just didn't work. But it wasn't a choice that I'm going to go outside and find me a woman outside of being foundational black because I tried. I tried. <laughs> I tried. Do I need to say that another time? <laughs> it just didn't work. Mm. And instead of spending the rest of my life waiting, right. I found someone that was me if I was born a woman. She happened to be from Jamaica. She black. That's it. Now, you, uh, you mentioned the LGBTQ community. Uh-oh. Now we're going to get in trouble. Okay. And some conversations that we need to have. So I'm just very curious. What, just in African, you know, ancient African cultures, was, did homosexuality exist? Yes. Okay. For as long as there's been man and woman, there's always been all measure of between. Got you. You know, to That's even documented? Deal- That's documented? That's science. Mm. That's science. And, and, and I think that I was hoping I didn't hear that. I know. I know. There's a lot of people. You see a lot of people say, brother, I was rolling with you until then. <laughs> but that's how I feel. And I cannot be one way in another way and not be honest and upfront in another. And I have to Absolutely. be able to feel free to be able to let you know I judge a human being by the content of their character. Mm. Not by any of the isms that create schisms. I have known people with great honor who have lived many different ways. And all I judge you on is the content of your character. And who you love is your business. I'm still, I'm still working on my thing. <laughs> you know, no, no matter what, I'm still working on my love. Even though we've been together, all, it's still a daily work that we do together. It's a loving work. It's a great work. But it's not something that, that, that you can ever take for granted. And my thing is that, like, I belong to a very special club, man. You got a long title. But I belong to a club. A lot of people claim to belong to the club, but they really don't. Mm. But I do. I believe I do. You, 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 you ready for the title? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I belong to the club that's titled, I Mind My Own Damn Business. Mm. Because the day I started minding my own damn business was the day I came to realize how much damn business I have to mind. And if I'm loving my life, I don't have time to get into your pants to figure out what you're doing with your that's just how I feel, family. And we have to get real and ready about this. The idea of a man being attracted to a man, a woman being attracted to a woman, a man being born with the spirit of the woman inside, or a, or a woman being born with the spirit of a man inside, has occurred since there has been the man and the woman. Whenever you have opposites, you always have all measure in between. Mm. That's just science. That's nature. Now, if you want documentation, there is a book um, that is written by Sobon Fusome, and it deals with the, the, the spirit of intimacy. There's a chapter she talks about the gatekeepers, and she talks about um, the idea of people born with being born a gender, but with a spirit that is opposite the gender, that is possible. So now, I guess now, I think the biggest issue I personally have is 
I just don't trust when our government gets involved with pushing things. That's a whole nother thing. Because I, I got you. Because, okay. I, I, absolutely. Once they get involved, there is no law. There is no man-made law. There is nothing that they can say to me. See, that's where I have to say no, because I understand agendas. And I also understand what's, what's going on, and I can see what's going on. And, and I think that, but please, please, please. No, 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 go ahead. No, 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 no. Please complete your thoughts so I can respond to that instead of just so jumping I in. So I feel like now, more than ever, and this agenda is being pushed on us, which, ma which makes this, I'm very skeptical about where and why this is coming at us so hard, so fast. And you referring to specifically just like uh, the whole LGBTQ or yes, okay, especially as it relates to when we even speaking on things like the the transgender, where someone now believes that they have a different spirit inside of them. So now I want to back this with science, okay, and I want to go about adjusting physically my gender to what I feel my spirit is inside of me. Yes. Now. When this stuff gets pushed heavily like that, again, that's where my skepticism and actual worry comes from because I'm, when, when someone pushes these thoughts into your mind, it confuses me to know whether it's now nature or nurture, where this is really coming from. And do you believe, because you're saying there is an element of nature where this can actually exist, yes. but do you believe that if it's pushed to us in droves, there can actually be an element of nurture where this is now put onto you where it wasn't necessarily of your nature originally? That would be hard for me. Because like I say, with all this agenda that they push, see, first of all, I don't trust them. The other thing is, is that if you speak to many LGBTQ people of African descent, they'll tell you the LGBTQ movement is not theirs. This is for white people. Mm. Okay, brothers will tell you immediately, that ain't got nothing to do with us. That's for white men, but they're using us as the buffer to break down the walls so they can march in, like they do everything else, okay? This is a natural law to me. This is not a man-made law. And the pushing of the agenda is to continue to confuse us as to what the real deal is, and that is why we are in opposition to it, so if you divide us, you'll conquer us. And that's how I see this. I see what they're doing. I don't trust them, never trusted them. But that has nothing to do with the LGBTQ community because if you ask some brothers and sisters, they'll tell you they have a problem with the agenda. Mm. Mm. Because they say, that's not how we want to roll. That's not what we want. We, we don't necessarily want to see a man in a dress. Although a man in a dress ain't nothing wrong with that because that's what the Egyptians wore. Egyptians wore dresses. Mm. This man Kill. is coming with all types of plot twists this episode. <laughs> no, no, but you, 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 you see what the men wear? Yeah. They wear kilts. They wear dresses. Short dresses, in fact. Mini dresses, so to speak. <laughs> but that didn't make them... But that that's, what wasn't, you see, that's what you see in like the hieroglyphics and yes, stuff. Like they have on the, always. And oh, then, and then they true. have the, the, the penis that hangs down between the legs. So, you know, we're dealing with vomit. The European has never understood nature. And so therefore, what he gives you is his vomit. And we as a people turn against each other, fight each other, 
because we're trying to measure ourselves by them. And Malcolm told them, and I say again, that the Indo-European is not the measure of man that I wish to measure my manhood by. And we as men have got to internalize this and understand this. We as women have to internalize this. And we have to love each other and we judge a person by the content of their character. And if that person is doing things inappropriate, I'm judging you because your inappropriate behavior, not because of who you are or what you practice. That is your life. That is your business. And I mind my own business. I'm just trying to get myself. But when you start harming other people for whatever reason it may be, then that's when we have to draw the line because it's the content of your character. We have to have hard conversations. This, you know, you know, we're throwing it at the community and like they're saying, you know, like I really was rocking with that brother, but I think right about how we go. <laughs> but, you know, if, if, if that's what it takes, then maybe that's what we got to do. Mm. But I ask you, don't believe me. I'm not here. I tell people I'm not here to make you believe me. I'm here to make you think. Because you got members in your family that are gay and you love them. Mm-hmm. You find out that they're gay do you turn that love off? That person that was with you, that helped you, that guided you, that was there for you in your worst of times when other people weren't, you find out that they're gay? You going to turn on them? Is, is that, is, is, could, could you do that? And if you did, would you have cognitive dissonance? Living in turmoil all your life because you turned against someone that you loved and now you, this false illusion, you don't love them anymore. But do you, did you stop loving them or did you just go insane? I'm sorry, I'm not going to let that happen to me. I've had people in my life that have been wonderful human beings. Like I told you, I have always been attracted to black women. And there's nothing that could ever be put on me that would make me want to be gay. No more than you ain't going to put nothing on a gay man that's going to make him straight mm-hmm. or a lesbian woman. You're not going to do it. You're not going to change him. Ain't no pray to gay away. <laughs> that's nonsense. They've been trying to do it. They've been trying to do <laughs> it. Yeah, and it never works. <laughs> it never works. Punishment don't work. Kicking them out your house don't work. It, it's, and it, we have to get to a certain point where we can talk about these issues. And that people don't judge me because I'm willing to come out front and say this. Because I know it's controversial. I just threw that concept in as we were talking because I knew that this is a topic that we're going to have to talk about. If we are going to move to the promised land, we're going to have to have this conversation first. We ain't going to have this conversation in the promised land. What's going to get us in the promised land is we're going to have this conversation before and understand who is the righteous inheritor of the promised land. I say it's the person with a good content of, of character, with a good heart, that builds the society and not tears it down, that is there for you when you need them. That's my opinion. That's my thought. But we're going to have to have this conversation. What's some of the other... What do you think right now? Matter of fact, what's the number one challenge right now, would you say, is in our community? We fight each other. We have to stop fighting each other. Everywhere where I've studied our history, Throughout time, they have never, Indo-Europeans, Cambyses and the Persians did not come in and defeat the Kushites. The Moors were not defeated with Europeans coming in and destroying them. The civil rights movement was not defeated with 
with Europeans coming in and destroying it. Before they came in, we were fighting amongst ourselves. Mm-hmm. It was agents working from within. That's it. Every, every, when, when, when you look at Malcolm and the Nation of Islam, when you look at Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement that he headed, when you look at the Moors, the Moors, Boabdil was fighting with his own family. That's how Aragon and Castile was able to come down in consolidation and throw the Moors out in, 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 in January of 1492. We were fighting amongst ourselves. The Kushites, what brought Indo-Europeans into, into uh, Kush after the Sixth Dynasty was we was fighting amongst ourselves. We have to stop fighting amongst ourselves. Mm. Number one, unity. But before unity, we have to unite with ourselves. We have to understand the Judas and the Messiah within us. And we have to put that Judas in his place and let the Messiah rise. Once we unite with ourselves, because the greatest enemy we have is not what's outside of us. The greatest enemy we have is that battle that goes on within. Once you defeat the Judas in here, everything else outside of you is an obstacle. And obstacles, you just get over Number one thing, we have to get ourselves together. We have to stop fighting. And I guess for us internally to become better individually, because obviously we got to, like you said, internally, we got to get our stuff together so we can come together. What is that thing we need to focus on internally to ascend, to really get to that next level? What is that focus? Two cosmic laws. Number one, Realize that you are the creator having a human experience. And number two, to treat the creator's creations as you would treat the creator within you. It's that simple. Very simple. Nature's not cruel, but nature's just not going to give it to you. You got to earn it. It's a very simple process, but it's complex because it demands the highest form of thinking and acting and speaking on your part. That is why it is you think ma'at, you speak ma'at, you do ma'at. Simple, but complex. Everybody say they do it, but they don't. You know, you break it for what it is. And once that happens, everything else will fall into place. You are the creator. You are, a, you are the image of the creator. And once you understand that, then you expect and demand things of yourself. And when you do that, then you don't accept the okey-doke. And there's been so many of us who have done that in history that we've seen. And we can use them as mantras or as examples, but the real key is where is the ma- When I taught the course on Malcolm X, I began my course by telling all of my students, the purpose of this course is for you to find the spirit of Malcolm in you. Denzel Washington, they they, they asked him, "Um, tell me, um, when you played the part of Malcolm X, Spike Lee's piece, when you played... Malcolm X, did you invoke the spirit of Malcolm? He said, no. He said, when I played the part of Malcolm X, I invoked the spirit that was in Malcolm. 
because nobody can be Malcolm. But the spirit of Malcolm is in all of us. Mm. And the question is, are we willing to be so bold? Are we really willing to be so bold as to be able to, in our own way, replicate the spirit of Malcolm? The spirit of Malcolm was in Harriet Tubman. The spirit of Malcolm that was in Harriet Tubman was in Nat Turner. It was in Zumbi in the Palmeres in Brazil. It was in Don Pedro Abisu Campos in Puerto Rico. It has been in many people around the diaspora. The spirit of Malcolm is the warrior spirit. See, a soldier is a job. A warrior is a lifetime commitment. You've got to be a warrior, which means you never rest. And this is what we have to begin to shape in our men and our women. Because I told the sisters, don't think because Malcolm was a man that the spirit of Malcolm ain't in you. Because sisters, that spirit was in Harriet Tubman. And we have got to take that spirit. And I encourage us to take that spirit in us and understand that you're dealing with the Wizard of Oz. We're living in the land of Oz. Dorothy... She, she gets caught up in something she want to go home. She meets the scarecrow. The scarecrow want a brain. They meet the tin man. The tin man want a heart. They meet the lion. The lion wants courage. So they depend on the whiz. Everybody tell them, go to Emerald City. Go, go talk to the whiz. The whiz will fix you. And so they search. They, they battle all sorts of things for the whiz to help them out. And then at the end, when all is said and done, the wiz tells the scarecrow, well, you're the one that devised the plan. You were always intelligent. All of a sudden, he's saying, E equals MC squared. The scarecrow now is getting smart because the wiz told him, okay? The wiz told the tin man, well, you were the one that risked everything. You have a heart. He gave him a little false heart that started pounding. <laughs> and he said, lion, you were the one that protected all of them. You have courage. And then he flies away in a hot air balloon when, he's, when Dorothy's trying to go home. And she's left there and stranded in, 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 in the land of Oz saying, I, you know, I want to go home. You, you got the brain. You got the heart. You got the courage. But I can't get home. And out, out of the heavens comes Lena Horn. See, because I'm dealing with the whiz now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what this <laughs> she's saying, have faith in yourself. And the moral of the story is all you have to do is click your heels three times and say, I want to go home. We're, we're looking in an illusion for someone to give us brains, heart, and courage to go home. When all we had to do was click our heels three times and realize we have a brain, we have a heart, we have courage. We as black folk have been put in a position where we're looking for someone else to validate us. Honestly. May I say it? Yeah. Fuck them. Simple like that. Who are you? What you going to do? This is a really interesting interview, bro. Because I don't normally go that way. <laughs> you know? But, but, but I figure people are going to be able to handle it. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Okay? Uh, because that's where I am. Okay? I grew up in a project. Okay, I grew up in the project with all of the different things that were set before me. 
okay? But in order to present myself sometimes, I present myself a certain way. But I have those feelings inside of me. I've always had those feelings inside of me, and I will die with those feelings inside of me. This is just part of what our experience is. And sometimes cursing acts like an exclamation point. Mm -hmm. I don't curse to curse. I curse to exclaim something, to proclaim something, to say it a little bit differently than just say, okay, just, you know, don't pay no attention to him. Okay, that's one way to say it. <laughs> okay, there's another way to say it. Fuck them. I'm exclaiming something that I normally don't do, but it's something, sometimes it works. But we are at a point where we're caught up in an illusion with a people that couldn't do what we wanted them to do like the whiz if we wanted them to. We were born with a brain, a heart, and courage, and we were always able to go home. The question was, were we willing to do it? This is what we got to do, fam. And I don't say unapologetically. And I don't say unashamedly. Because I ain't got nothing to be ashamed of, nor do I have anything to apologize for. We are a mighty people. Marcus Garvey was right. We are a mighty people who will rise by the will of our will. Now, what Marcus Garvey said is interesting because in in Kush Kemet, they did not have a word for magic. The magic that we deal with right now is a game. It's a sleight of hand. From an African perspective, a Kush Kemet perspective, what we're talking about is to will something into existence. And I'll give you an example of that uh, concept. Um, a key is, is my son calling you. And, and, and the idea is that... Um, When we deal, can you can you edit that out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This all pre recording. Okay. This is okay. all pre recording. Yeah, we're gonna take care of you. Okay, because I think he's downstairs. Is he your cue? Um, you know, you know, you know, my idea, you know, that we're dealing with is um, this is an illusion, and one day when we wake up out of this sleepless slumber, we're gonna come to realize that we could have handled this before. Mm. And I guess through divine intervention, we were meant to just go through this for whatever reason to make us better for when we do get to that point. And man, let me tell you, I feel like if y'all don't, if y'all haven't been there today, y'all probably have met the Oz <laughs> watching this episode here because I'm, it's crazy. Dr. Cobb, but just listening to you, one, you didn't say what I expected you to say, mm. but you said what I needed you to say. I can say that much. Um, and I think that's what it is to be, you know, to, to truly be an, an intellectual is, is not to necessarily hear things to be validated, but it's really to hear things to even be challenged at times. And to be able to take that and go to the next level. And man, you definitely challenged some of my thinking today. And probably some of y'all thoughts watching this episode as well. But Dr. Kaba, I'm going to really leave the audience right where we at right now. Because we got some smoke. <laughs> we got some smoke on their heads right now. But this was a blessing. A beautiful conversation. 
And you actually have some phenomenal work that I want the audience to tap into. And I please, that camera right there, look right at it and tell the people what you got for them, how they can get in contact with you, and all the work they need to buy from you. Peace, family. I want to thank you all for this opportunity, to be honest. And also, I thank you all, and I thank the audience there, who I may have rocked the boat, because I've always lived by the concept that if the boat can't be rocked, it should be sunk. We got some work that we have to do. And if I made you think, as I think you've expressed, no matter how you may feel, if you know my heart loves you, then I make you think. And you trust that I've made you think. That's all I want to do in life. I just want to make folk think. Get out the box. Because there is no box. Because that's the other thing. Everybody gets caught up in, oh, I'm going to be thinking out the box. No. Mm. I don't want you to think out the box. I want you to understand the box is an illusion. Because if you get out the box and other people are in it, then you can't see each other. But if you realize that the box is an illusion, then you can see each other. And that's what we have to do. That's what respect means. Ra means to, to do again in a, in a spiritual light, and spec means to see. Respect means that I look at you another time, and I approve, accept, and acknowledge your existence. Mm. That's what this is about. And we're too caught up in the European judgment and cancel culture. And if I've made you think, then I've done my job. And if you'd like to think more, I encourage you to please go to my uh, website, www.kabakamene.com, www.kabakamene.com. Download my free e-course and study guide. The study guide is the most important document I've ever created. That's why it's free. Dr. Clark once told me that you may not get to your destination in your lifetime, but if you leave the proper roadmap behind, those that follow you will continue your journey. That study guide was meant to be my roadmap. It'll tell you where I'm going. It got book lists. It got themes that I, that, that I work on, that I teach. Um, and you can also go to my Instagram page, at Kabakamene, K-A-B-A-K-A-M-E-N-E. And you can follow me. I use my Instagram page as my um, community bulletin board. My son and I work together on this. He's my tech expert. Uh, he's my manager. He's the one that let me know that Key wanted to talk to me about this interview. <laughs> uh, he, 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 he moderates and models everything. And so we work together to make that happen. So please go to my Instagram page. If you want to know where I'm going to be, it's going to be up on my Instagram page. I put up different things. I make it... Uh, um, I use variety, you know, it's, it's not all about me. If I, if I come upon something that somebody does, if I get some clips from what this is, I'll put it up on my Instagram page to let the family that may not have been exposed to this know that y'all are doing some great work out here in uh, Atlanta. And also I've got books up. Uh, it's, it's in the link in my bio. Uh, you, you can order my books. Professor William Leo Hansberry was my first book who was the originator and the, the one that formatted African studies programs back in, in 1922 at Howard University. Wow. I then wrote my next book, Spirituality Before Religions. Spirituality is unseen science. Science is seen spirituality. My next book, 
Shabaka Stone was the book I wanted to write. It is, the, it is an African theory on the origin and continuing development of the cosmic universe. That is the book that I believe. With spirituality before religions, I wrote because I wanted to get the community ready for Shabaka Stone. Because Shabaka Stone is the key to life. It is the Ankh. It'll take you in terms of understanding how all things came into existence from an African perspective and you can get rid of all this vomit and begin to dine on that rich meal that our ancestors prepared for our minds. But I was so impacted by Shabaka Stone, I work with children, I had to write a book, Shabaka Stone for Children, which is very visual, which creates the same story but is told to children to help them understand. And then my final book is the Shabaka Stone for Children Family Edition, which is a hardcover book that deals with concepts as it relates to Shabaka Stone, but also main ideas of what I'm trying to get across in Shabaka Stone and an extended book list that you can go back to further study if you'd like. Family, as we speak, we're making it possible. It is our job to make it possible to make it possible. Solar power is the future wealth of the planet. And isn't it interesting that everywhere where the sun shines the brightest, the people are the most melanated. Mm-hmm. It's like to create or put wealth in our backyard. It ain't over till we win. Our ancestors did so much with so little. If I should sleep at night and dream that I'm having a hard time, when I wake up, I apologize for even dreaming that I'm having a hard time compared to what our ancestors went through. I honor them. I respect them. However, I'll end with this. What I do, I don't do for my ancestors because what they did, they did for me. What I do, I do through my ancestors for the children yet to be born. I don't pay back. I pay forward. Where do you want our children to be in the year 2123? As you think about this, make a plan. Where do you see our children 100 years from now? Peace. <laughs> Man, straight smooth. poetry. Smooth. <laughs> Absolute poetry. <clears throat> and again, Dr. Copper, thank you so much for accepting the invitation. And allowing this to happen here in real life, in real time. Already one of the greatest experiences I've personally had in life. Oh, thank you, brother. And I'm sure it's probably been the same for you guys as well. All right. And look, thank you again for tuning into another episode of Harley Initiated. We are out. <laughs> <laughs>